Hey, this is Eric. I'd like to apologize for the background noise on this episode. If you can't stand it, you can skip to the next one. Apologies. Enjoy. That's not for the church ladies. Yes. No, no, no church ladies involved. Dennis. Dennis Harris, famous church lady. You seem to still be alive. Happy hour. Happy, happy, happy hour. Here we are. The biggest laugh of the day to open up. That's right. Dare we say it. Happy hour, which you're listening to at... Happyhour.fm. I have a Pilsen. Ooh, Rakera. Rakera. Yeah, that's, I think it's it's a reference to the, in the nearby city of Santander, they have these statues of little boys that look like they're just sitting on the docks, like, on a summer's day, like they've been jumping into the water and coming back out, and, like, one of them is, like, uh-huh. in the act of climbing out. It's just, like, bronze statues. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I think, and I'll have to look this up and maybe put it in the show notes, because I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think that, historically, there were, they would people would pay these little boys to dive into the water and collect some something, some part of the fishing apparatus or something that, that broke off and fell Plans. down there. I don't know if it was fishing Plans. things or if it was getting, like, debris out of the water or something, but it's... it's huh. so, and they've been, well, the first they've been, is a little bit more charming than the latter. They've been memorialized in these in these little cute statues. Uh, that, so uh, there's these famous uh, pictures of people with those bronze statues making a pose which counteracts the statue to a certain degree. They're pretty hilarious. You can you can take a look. My wife showed them to me not long ago. I laughed out loud. Oh, they're Very creative. There's a bunch of pictures online of people posing with statues, right? Doing not funny things. Typical pose, but but particularly though, a whole genre of with those brass ones that you're speaking of, which are everywhere. Chicago has a bunch of them. I remember being in Chicago and, and being on the wrong side of midnight, and the statues actually frightened me because there was just something weird about them at 2 a.m. and and you know, Gila monsters kind of snapping at my heals, but maybe the tequila hey, is talking. Is that, is that I don't why know. they're called Gila monsters? Do they snap at your heels? Tequila monsters. Tequila monsters. Tequila. Tequila. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, I found some Smittics. I'm drinking some Smittics. Did you know? And and reminding me once again, as soon as I taste it, why it is my favorite, absolute favorite, red ale. It is. Mm-hmm. It is pretty good. Made in Ireland. Made in Ireland. Yep. I watched a couple movies this weekend. I was working really hard to get ready for something, and I finished by Sunday noon. And I took Sunday afternoon off, and I watched a couple of movies. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you watch? The first one, well, we'll talk about the second one first. The second one was one that you recommended to me. The Between Two Ferns movie. And at that, especially after watching the first one, I really wanted sort of a silly movie, and that was that was good. It was uh, which movie? The Between Two Ferns, Zach Galifianakis. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh God! It was it was, and you wouldn't, you know, if somebody pitched that to you, you would have said, I don't know if you can be funny for two hours like this. I mean, you know, right? I yeah, mean, and they they put in a, a road fact, trip story. You know, it was a pretty well, standard uh, cookie cutter. It, it, fact was before it was anything it was the road trip movie right exactly before it was anything right. it, it, it was that was the opening pitch but very very funny I thought all the time 
I mean, not every second, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, and again, it was funny because he's he's he is absolutely a marvelous comic. Yes, he's got the best time in the world. And so I uh, loved I loved Will I loved Will Smith as the as the asshole executive. He he did he did that so uh, Will Smith uh, Will Ferrell because Will Ferrell oh, oh, yeah. does actually own. He was one of the founders of Funny or Die, the company that runs like. Yes. He was he was amazing, and for Will Ferrell, it almost passes as a serious role. Right, exactly. Because he wasn't he wasn't ever trying to be funny. He was just trying to be fucking weird. Right. And he was fucking weird in a very serious way. Right. Seriously weird. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would recommend that, and and it's a lot of a surprising amount of action and. You know enough plot twist to, to keep you, to keep you, you know. Yeah, but it was. Uh, so, sorry, but look at look at Downey and Galifakis in, in a, a, a road, yeah, a road movie that is every bit as a, a lot of the same tenets as as the as the, the, as the between the first. Huh? No. The journey. No, it's not the call. No, the judge was a different movie. Uh, Due date. Due movie. date, yes. And where where Robert Downey Jr.'s character pays him to take him home to be on time for his son's birth because the airlines, blah, 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 whatever. And it's a road trip. And Robert Downey Jr. is just absolutely... He's, his comic skills are, yes. are, are he, amazing. He's long been known to be a, a really funny guy. Uh, well, he's not, he's not uh, particularly funny. He's an eccentric character who... It's a funny character, but he's not a guffaw. Right. Galifakis is amazing in that movie. All the way to the end. Yeah. Galifakis is a North Carolina boy. Whereabouts? Wilkesboro. Ah. Been there many times. I didn't know that. And uh, part of this movie was set in what I assume to be a uh, fictional town of Flinch, North Carolina. Just such a great great name for a backwater uh, southern... Nice. Flinch. Flinch. Okay. Right. The water was probably bad. So what was the other? What was your other flick? Uh, the one that was way more serious that, that brought me both up and down was a movie also on Netflix called Becoming, which is named after and basically is a promotional movie for the book called Becoming by none other than Michelle Obama. Uh-huh. And it talks about, it's sort of her memoir of going from uh, the south side of Chicago all the way through the White House and then back out the other side and yeah. what that journey was like. And a lot of it was footage of her going and doing these these book tours in front of like sold out stadiums where she would get Yeah. She would get some local Everywhere. she would get some local celebrity to interview her on stage. And we're talking celebrities like uh, Oprah or Colbert or those sorts of people. Yeah. And they would she would just just to have a person there to bounce things to to sort of ask her questions about yeah. the book so she could talk about it. But, God, it was so... Like, I... It was just so beautiful to remember a time when there was empathy in the White House. And she talks about how, on her book tour, when she, there's a there's a long line of 500 people and they all come up and get to say hi to her for a minute, maybe not even 60 seconds, and she signs the book or something. And she talks about how in that moment, she's aware that it's a really important moment for that person to meet 
to meet her, and so she gives them her undivided attention. She looks them right in the eye. She doesn't uh, look past them or look through them or look around them. She's just she's present. And that's got to be exhausting to do that for for a couple hours or whatever. But uh, just this idea that a leader could care about individual citizens in that way is just so so far from from our current situation that you know it made me cry. Huh? Like the movie was moving. In, in that way of just someone being a good person and missing do you, that. Do you realize what would happen to the numbers if she decided to take the vice presidential slot for Joe Biden? Do you have any idea? Have you seen any data on what happens? There is a landslide. The entire Senate, of course the House, and the president's office all becomes under Democratic rule for at least the next four years, likely the next eight, as she becomes the first African, not only the first woman, but the first African-American woman president. This has got to be an interesting discussion. Well, because you know her well enough now to know that she's driven by what's right. And she's driven by her sense of destiny. And this is an open-ended question to me. No, it's not. The other thing that you get from watching this movie and imagine reading her book is how much, how off the table that is. She does not want to be a politician. She does not want any of that shit. She was so happy the day that they moved out of the White House that she didn't have to do that anymore. And I, I mean, that, that is also my liberal fa- fantasy. Like, I, I made a joke on Facebook a couple weeks ago where I said, oh, wouldn't it be great if, 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 it, if it was a uh, Biden-Obama ticket? And, and, then, and then I sort of postulated that, you know, as if I'm having a dialogue with someone, and the other person says, yeah, but he said he was going to elect a woman. And, and my response was, yeah, I know, wink, wink. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if if she was the pick, but she, she will not be. She, she absolutely won't be. No, and, and I, don't, I don't imagine it either, but the sense of responsibility that she and her husband might feel, depending on what happens as we approach November, and if there is such a dramatic role. Now, this, this absolutely won't be necessary in any way, because instead of having her run, we will have her and her husband and everyone they fucking know as surrogates that are saying the things that need to be said. And you're going to see a lightning rod of activity from former Dem rivals and geniuses, Andrew Zhang, Pete Judge, yeah. who are going to be part of a new awakening from Sleepy Joe out of his fucking basement where he's running apparently on, you know, a campaign slogan is like, yeah, that's me on the back of the milk carton campaign. And he's been taking, he's now given his campaign over to Obama's guru on IT and tech. Mm-hmm. And it just hired state directors and, and he's about to, about to go big. But, you know, the, the, what's got to happen is that there's got to be just every opportunity for a series of conversations with Joe Biden. It's fucking ridiculous that they don't, that they don't have some type of a show right now that's called Hello Joe. And it's somebody who's suffering through this virus to talk to him you know, a family member, whatever, and just to screen it and him talk to them and then just say be a few human. things. And That's all we need from just Joe. Be Joe. Be Joe. Instead, they put a, the fucking, you want to see a video that's fucking ridiculous. Just show this part of the video. He's in, not in his basement. He's in his parlor or something, in a room that opens to a garden. It's very nice behind him. And he opens the camera, dressed in a suit, in his own home, with no one else there but his wife. And yet the film starts with his I mask dress. is on. His mask is on. Well, in the first opening of the film, he goes to take it off, but it gets stuck on his fucking ear. Okay? Now, if you play that 
in slow-mo, and then you speed it up to a, a flashy kind of thing, we will find the absolute illustrative moment of why Joe Biden has got to get it together. Number one, why the fuck are you wearing a mask in your home when you're fucking self-quarantined with your wife? You're giving the wrong message. That's not even fucking CDC. Number two, if you're going to wear it, which you apparently don't do very often because you don't seem to understand how to take it off. I'm surprised mm. they didn't shoot it with the fucking mask dangling down from one ear like a fucking liberal fucking earring of some kind where he's hey. so proud to have a mask near him. Hey, what if, hey. We, what if we made earrings? They look like yes. half of a, like a mask hanging from one, ma- from one ear. Half a mask with a zipper up the center. God, I saw... I saw a fat metal zipper. I saw, an, I saw an internet image the other day of some checkout lady somewhere and she had she was wearing a mask but she had taken some scissors and cut a big hole in the middle because she found it hard to breathe with the mask on <laughs> oh <laughs> lordy lordy that's a great innovation related to the Michelle Obama run which isn't happening are you aware that there are online betting markets for yes. around politics yeah and yeah. there's one that is apparently legal in the U.S., it's called Predictit.org, and it you can go and bet on just about anything. Like they, they set up these things like you know will Trump still be in office by August first or something like that, and the market bets yes or no. They're all they're all binary yes or no things, and you bet and the price you know varies depending on what what it is. It's always choice between you know zero cents and one and one dollar, and. You can go in there and you can buy sort of shares in this thing at whatever they're selling it for, and then, and then if if like politics changes and the and the and the the market changes on that, you can like sell before the actual event happens or whatever to sell out. Right, right, and right. There's this there's this podcast called Election Profit Makers that I listened to in 2016 so much. They they did this. They basically they were just talking about the the election, and every week they would they would bet on stuff on Predict It, and they would like you know. They're 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 risking like twelve dollars or something on this on this thing. Like yeah, it's, right. it's just it's just it's just goofing funny funny money. Just um, fun. And but but they would you know take it all seriously and, and like well I you know I saw this news article here and I think that this is that this is going to change. I think that such and such is going to drop out of the race and this is going to happen. And it's just good fun. And they went dark for four years after they did one episode after Trump got elected where they were just all uh, morose as the rest of us were. And then they and then there was nothing on their feed until. Uh, a couple months ago, and now they're picking up again with, with the 2020. And it's uh, it's a good cool. listen. I'll link to it at happyhour.fm slash 059. That's great. It's just interesting to to talk about it as if you're, you know, gambling in a, on, right. a, on a dog race or something. Speaking of, uh, of gambling, and I know that this, I think this is important to you, but I have to ask, do you know about the ESPN 10-part series Michael Jordan, The Final Dance. Ten-part series of Michael Jordan's career, much of it filmed in his house, interviewing him, looking back, talking stories, showing tapes, interviewing other people at the time. I'm telling you, ten episodes, and it's got this amazing part to it that you're going to love. And what they do is that they start to show, let's say as they did episode seven, which I saw it this morning, in 1998, mm-hmm. when they're going for their second three-piece. <clears throat> And they show a scene from that second three-peat in Chicago, and they talk about an aspect of Michael or his life or whatever. And then they say, this was reminiscent of 1993. And then they have a screenshot 
of a timeline that shows the needle moving from 1998 to 1993 and take you to a similar shot of them playing basketball in 1993. Michael obviously looking younger as time wears on. He gets bigger and bigger, you know, right. uh, stockier and stockier, stronger and stronger. But then eventually, you know, middle ages, it does to all of us make him stockier. You will love this. Interesting. And it's controversial as it unfolds because people are telling, they're saying, yeah, I was there. I was there. It didn't happen that way. One person interviewed, and I'll let you watch it so it's not too big of a spoiler, says, look, number one, yeah, he was an asshole. Number two, yeah, he overstepped his bounds all the time. Yeah, he was a son of a bitch. But you know what? He was the best teammate I ever had. And the the and different episodes of life with the gambling episode and the playing baseball and the betting and his father's murder, which is uh, astounding. Astounding. Hmm. But anyway, check it out. Yeah. We'll talk about it a little bit. I was I was lucky enough to back in the day when I was a kid and my father sometimes would take me to see Charlotte Hornets games. I was lucky enough to see Jordan playing for the Bulls. In, wow. against, against Charlotte, and that they was... played. Uh, they played Charlotte in the in the postseason. In in fact, is that when you went? No, that that was way before. That would have been 1990 or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, but but, they were, I, but they it was. I, no, it might have been. It might have been his last season. I think it was his last season. Whenever he retired from the from his the final final. Then he went for the wizards. Then he went to. Then he went to the Wizards. Yeah. Let me look this he up. was a playing. He was the playing coach at the Wizards. Yeah. 93, quit after his dad died. 93. Played baseball. Yeah. Second retirement. Yeah, I don't... It wasn't 98. That was... It was way, way before that. I don't know. It, but I... I distinctly remember that as being a thing that I understood. That I understood at the time that it was an important event. The closest I ever got to him was that I was... I had a locker right in front of his locker at a golf course, a real fancy golf course in North Carolina, where my cousin worked. And so we got on the golf course on his free pass, and I changed in front of Michael Jordan's locker. That's the closest I ever got. I, I must admit that I, I touched the locker and I touched his name tag. It was a reverential moment. So you and he have but been. You'd love it. You and he have been naked Close in the same space. Time. Well, I mean. Truth be told, it's true. And I won't say another word about it. I'm not one to show and tell. Yes. Well, I think this is an you. audio medium. We have a beautiful day here, but it's been cold. I mean, the sun is out. It's 45, feels like 35. I walked through the woods today. Climbed stuck. Uh, wild, wild area here, right up the street. But, but nice, nice, nice. But I'm waiting for it to warm up. Mowed my lawn. Going to do a little yard work. We we are we are getting a little bit back to normal here. We are starting to see roofers are open and landscape is open, and no restaurants yet. But you're seeing a range of requirements where you go into one store, grocery store, and it says mask required. And I encountered only one person out of 20 in the store that didn't have a mask on. But in another place, did you like body slam them or something? What? No, I didn't there. I wonder about the shaming thing. It's quite a science, you know, as to whether it helps or not. But the other story, tell me if I already told you the story where I went in and the kid who worked there. The Chinese takeout? The store. No, the <laughs> grocery store. Okay. 
in the grocery store. And, and he was had the mask in his hand. And I asked him to put his mask on. And he said he didn't have to. And, 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 You're not my daddy. And I said, well, he said, and I said something. I said, well, that's, that's just not, I mean, this is about protecting me. It's not about you. He said, I've had this mask on all day, and I'm not about to put it on now. And I said, there's a reason you have it on all day because you're having so many contact with people. And he said, I don't have to. And I said, you're rude. He said, you don't know me, sir. And I said, I know you well enough already to know you're rude. Nice. I thought it was I thought it was a good comeback. I went to the manager in front of him, and she also started to say, we can't wear, make people wear masks. I said, you're telling me that you can't make your employee who's on your property after his shift, you can't tell him to wear a mask inside the store? I said, I need to talk to your boss because you obviously ain't drank the Kool-Aid either. Not only are you wrong, but you're dangerous. And she looked at me and she was like, behind her mask, her eyes were like, you know, yeah. saucer eyes. And I thought, I thought, fuck. Huh. I never called the manager. I'm you're sure they reported it to him because they were nervous I'd call. You're such a, a bully, Dennis. You know? Oh, fuckers. How about people, I've gone up the path the other day, going up the path, and some dude on a bicycle comes screaming up behind me, lets me know about it, yells out to your left, just when he's to my left, and I jump, but because my left ankle is weak, I veer to the left. Oh, no. He whips by me. He's got no mask on. He's huffing. Covered. Dude, get a fucking bell for your bike? Hey, was this... So that when you're... You just ring the bell, nice. Was his bike a huffy? Ring a ring. Ring a ring. Huffington. And when he went by, post? it was like Huffington post COVID nineteen. Huh. Huffington. Oh, you wanna, you wanna his, see his, something hilarious? His bike wasn't the, the brand Huffy. Huffy. I don't I don't know about this brand of bike. Well, it's so there's it came a minister. out after after nineteen sixty, so he There's speaking of Huffy, there's a minister and you can show this clip. But what he does at his almost socially distanced podium at this church that used to be full of people that's now empty, he looked at the camera and he said, COVID-19, be gone. Yeah, that was, on, blew uh, it. that was on John Oliver. John I Oliver. Yes, I saw blew that. it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, ye of little faith. I'm sure, sure that worked. It, it, it blows my mind, like, I normally, like, I sort of know that there are people out there like that, but then I forget about it and, you know, go about my daily life and I think, surely there's no one out there that's that wacko. Stupid. And, oh, God. And then, no. but then you see, you see that and, like, those people use their confidence to, to lead others. Like, because everyone else is just like, oh, man, I don't really know what's going on. And as soon as someone in the community steps up and, and is like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on. The, the aliens told the Russians to send this thing here, and, and I and I know this is true. So and as long as you can give whatever it is that you want to say with confidence, you like people will follow you, and you know that's how you know Alex Jones and those knuckle fucks get their viewers and their listeners. It's oh, oh god, it's 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 like it's nuts. and it's like and a fucking Balkan mind throw. And oh. like the, the all I want is a leader that has some doubt, that isn't sure about something. But like, those people can't get elected. You can't have you can't have humility, and and get elected, because you can't. You know, you, you have to be like, this is the way it is, and we're gonna change things to be like this, and blah blah blah. And you, I got 
I got to tell you, the best one-liner of the week from, from Trump, I thought, was when he's sitting there in one of his news things at a conference table, and he's asked a question about his staff catching, yes, getting COVID-19. And he says, he says, you know, she had a negative test, and then, and then the next day, something happened, and she tested positive. We don't know why. We don't know what happened. And and she then one day she had it, and then what, what, she just she, we don't know why. And he's he's absolutely yeah. genuinely doesn't understand what happened. Right. And but but it's the woman who's made whole, giving him his drinks and serving him his food, and he now is getting tested every single day. Uh-huh. And so a reporter says to him, "Well, if you're getting tested every single day, nobody out here is getting tested every single day. You can't control it in the White House." What do you say to Americans? You know what he says? He says, this is just an hour ago. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I, this is the, the only time I've ever listened to one of these live was this week's Just moment. now? Yes. Just now. Yeah, just, just now. now. And, so, and so he says, he says, you know what? We just can't win. That's the kind of question. I mean, what a question. If we weren't testing, you'd say we weren't testing enough. And now we are testing, and you're saying we're testing too much. And I'm just telling you that, you know, this testing. One day you test negative, and the next day you test positive. It's no, it doesn't keep you from catching the virus. It's 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 over. It's you know, oh my God. And you'd think, well, first of all, he is capable of thinking that testing positive is a good thing. <laughs> but it's positive. It's why I got some positive news. It, why do you think they call it positive? Right. But yeah, the other the other thing, the other quote I, I saw was he was complaining that. The more testing we do, the higher the, n- the numbers are. Uh, oh, it's about getting off the ship. No, it's no, 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 but, but it's not. It's not, not just more about recently. that. But, but yeah, more, much more recently. Like he's like, the more the more testing we do, the more infections we have on the numbers. So, we, why are we testing? Because that's that oh, looks no. bad. This is what he thinks. He thinks the testing causes the cases. Of course it does. That on that swab is COVID-19, and the Democrats put it there because they want to ruin the economy. Oh, are you aware that there's this, what's it called, uh, plan, they call it the plandemic, because, <laughs> which is clever marketing, <laughs> clever marketing, but it's, it's, that, right. it's that this was intentionally right. wrought upon us by, right. by somebody. Right, right. So, so, okay. so <laughs> what, what do you make of Trump letting this happen, how it gets under his skin, that Kellyanne Conway's husband, George Conway, is one of the main people behind the Lincoln Project that is using COVID-19 against the president in one of the hard-hitting ads that we've seen, where after Trump complained about it, they raised $1 million overnight, that Trump is raising money for who? George Conway, Kellyanne Conway's husband. (laughs) How does that not get under his skin to the boiling point? It's, it's, I don't get it. I had not heard about his, his exploits. I will look that up. And hey, I, 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 I know this is, I know this is bad form. I'm into two beers. If I don't piss, I won't be able to finish the podcast. Go piss. I'll be right back. The piss cast. That's because I'm Piscopalian. <laughs> that was a good joke. Do 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 do
guess we're gonna put one of those harmonica solos in here, right? No. Welcome back, Dennis. Oh, where, oh, where are you tonight? Why did you leave me here all alone? I searched the world over and I thought I found true love. But you met another and you were gone. I have some news to talk to you about. Are you aware that, first of all, if you are an organization or a government and you have some news that you would rather not get a lot of attention, 2020 is the time to, you know, this is the time. There's only one news story. Everyone's talking about the virus. You should release any, right. any bad news. Have you seen about the Pentagon releasing the UFO footage? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. I did. I did. So it's, it's it was like, yeah, go ahead. No, but it's like, I've seen a couple of the, of the videos, and they really could just be like camera smudges, and and like, it's not... It's not proof of a damn thing, other than that there are errors with cameras sometimes. But no, no, it's proof that they—it's proof that they are willing to acknowledge it. That's the only importance of it. The footage isn't any more or less conclusive than anything I've ever seen. But the news here right. is that they obviously formally not only acknowledge it, but for the first time ever publicize it. And the reason they do is because there's so much more to the story, so much more to the story, that they're thinking ahead. Uh, so when are they going to really let us know the rest of the story? As Paul Harvey used to say. Mm -hmm. Now, the rest of the story. So, two things. Uh, one. Do you know what E.T. is short for? Extraterrestrial. No, it's because he's got little legs. E.T.? I don't... Sorry. What, what is E.T. short for? You, you've seen the movie, right? Yes. Extraterrestrial. What's he short for? Because he's got little legs. What's right, E.T.? What's he short for? Wow, boy! <laughs> that's one of those. All right, that, well, that's, that's one of those southern f turns of phrase. Like, what are you here for? To mean, you know, why? Uh, you've seen E.T. What is he short for? What is it? No, that's not correct. What is E.T. short? That's for? not the right. Oh. <laughs> yep. What is E.T. short for? Because he's got little legs. Boy, I'll tell you, that was more subtle than my. Uh, 111 IQ could, could manage. Okay, so that was number one. Number two, have you ever seen a UFO? What's the I've weirdest a, shit that you've seen? I've seen something that I thought was a comet, and instead of going where it was supposed to go, it took off and disappeared. It looked like a shooting star, moved way too fast for an airplane, and it was like in a second, it was like, did I just see that? And it was it was a blink of an eye. But it looked like, I said, oh, a comet, and it went, bam! I mean, comets, you mean you mean shooting stars. Comets are a different thing. I mean a shooting star. My, my, my story is almost exactly the same. I was out partying at nights, celebrating somebody's wedding in the south of Spain, and it was like four in the morning or something, and there may have been some drinking. And But in this little village in the south of Spain at night, you could see the whole galaxy. It's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And so I spend a lot of time just sort of looking up like a doofus there. And a lot of times you can... You, also, we go there in August, typically, which is when the, I want to say the Leonids meteor showers happen, but there's all kinds of shooting stars. And that one night, I was I was at this party, and I was looking up at the sky, and I saw this one star get really, 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 really bright, and then disappear. And uh -huh. and my only, my only 
conclusion that I, my logical explanation for this is it must have been a shooting star that was like more or less heading right at me and burned up. You know, it got it got bigger as it came towards me and then and then burned up. But yeah, mine uh, makes but mine does not make that sense. No, because mine went away from me. Right. Have you ever been uh, visited but, you know, the, by the... things that you don't can explain in, in the night? Some creepy fellow looking at you. Apart from when we shared that room I don't that one want time. To talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Fine. Let's talk about something else. Hey, are you familiar with the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon of as soon as you hear something, as soon as you hear about something, you see it everywhere? But when we were shopping for a car, immediately my attention was focused on the makes and models of all the cars around me that I saw. And as soon as I found out that I was going to be a father, immediately I was like checking out all the strollers that I saw going around. Um, anyway, twice since we recorded that episode, I have heard people on other podcasts talking about tree flowers that smell like semen. I never ever heard that once in my life. And huh. and then hey, you made me do a little bit of research. I had to, I had to clear my, my browser history after doing that search. But apparently the general consensus is that it's pear trees that are the that are the cum stinkers but well, well maybe maybe dogwoods too but isn't that weird very weird man very weird bro it's like wait did that was that supposed to that was supposed to be the uh, creepy What's that, what's that creepy show? Twilight Zone? Yeah, that was supposed to be Twilight Zone, but then it, like, morphed into, like, uh, Mission Impossible. <laughs> no, I could go there. The difference is, is in Mission Impossible, that conjures up images of cocktails at 7 p.m. on the dot before dinner. Where Twilight Zone is. Bah, 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 bah. That's not true. I did it wrong. <laughs> Twilight Impossible. Mission Zone. That, now there's a podcast. And welcome to the Mission Zone. We are the Mission Zone. We will take you to places that are purposeful and meaningful. And when you get there, you will know why you are there in the zone. Mission Zone. And you know what our, our, our that, little thing that is? Sounds like a, ba, 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 ba. That sounds like a place where Mormons go when they're young. The Mission Only Zone. Only if there's enough room in the van for your three wives. All right, kids, hop in. We're going to the Mission Zone. Come on, honey. Hey, honey. Come on, cupcake. <laughs> Whoops. P.I. Politically incorrect. No, you you know you call all you gotta call all your wives with sweet names, and you can't mix them up. No. You can't be like. Oh, did how about John Oliver's where he's talking about cats won't come when they're called? Did you see he started a cat network because he's got footage of cats playing yes. with his. And now he's got he launched the cat network. He did buy the artwork, by the way. Yes. Yes. The yes. Rat. Yes, the sexual uh, rat stuff. Of course, as we knew we would. <laughs> yeah, he's he's good. He, uh... So I, I caught up to went into my second season of Billionaires, which I kind of thought the first season as it went on into 
on episode eight and nine, it, it, it picked up quite a bit. I thought, you know, I'm going to finish this out. And by the time it got to episode 12, there was a, a wonderful closing scene between Damien Lewis, the lead character, Bobby Axelrod, and Chris Rhodes, the attorney general. And interestingly, in the U.S. Southern District of New York, which, of course, is current, you know, the, currently in the news for getting to Trump and indicting Giuliani is where Giuliani was from, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very famous. And so it's quite a confrontation. And so as season two opened, I've been amazed at, now that I'm in episode three, how much better season two is, because now I am fucking hooked. And it was, you know, it was well done because, you know, the acting is, is you know, is very, very good. But I, I recommend it. Billionaires, it's called. Billionaires. And we're, we're going to be watching Chernobyl, which is a movie Sorry. which received... You did. Hmm. How many... What is it, two seasons? I think there's only like six episodes in total. One season? Yeah. Like a limited, really limited. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They're all like one hour long. But so that is some of the... That, that first episode is some of the scariest television. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of scary movies, but... but and like it's currently, you know, it's not unlike what we're, what we're going through now. There's nothing more terrifying than something that you can't see that could be killing you right now. Yeah. And huh. yeah, exactly. Huh. And huh. that, but at least, at least with radiation, it's not contagious, right? Like if you were if right, you were there, right, right, you're right, probably right. fucked. But 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 that was just knowing, you know, that level of fear of how how much is what I'm doing right now killing me is yeah. is just utterly terrifying like it's it's a psychological terror that is what really gets gets to me you know i don't care well, for it, I, I saw enough out. of it to know i wanted to see it and so then i shut it off because i want to watch it with, with my wife but the acting i saw in the opening seven minutes and the actor who plays the opening who's an actor I, I'm, I'm of course i'm never good with names but he is a fabulous actor yes there was one of the actors was well known from some other series like the sopranos or something that i had not seen but that miniseries is just incredible. And how they shot it, like, I saw, I've seen some making of stuff where how much of it was just in the computer, like, when they're near the power plant and, you know, shit is smoking. And I saw some, some footage of how they did that when they, was just, they were just in a studio somewhere and they totally composited all of that stuff behind. But we just went through, we just had the anniversary of Chernobyl, 34 years. Happy birthday to you. Kind of uh, takes blowing out the candles to a whole different uh, level, huh? Yeah. At age seven, I was not really aware of any of that. The What year was it? How many years ago? 34 years. 1986. April. I was 32. Yeah. And, wow. That had to have been worse than Fukushima. But... I don't know about well, how much. I, you know, it's and it's a world here that you always wonder about in the back of your mind because you haven't heard much about the nuclear industry really in the past five or six years, maybe even the next ten years. If you were to take a look at the history of news reports on these, I think you'd see a stark pattern that began some time ago where you just don't hear about it anymore. And I wonder if they've been able to figure out how to keep everything completely quiet. I've heard that there are new ways of doing it that can really eliminate these risks. And huh. there is actually safe nuclear power now, but people are so fucking skittish after these disasters. Yeah. Hey, 
Do you want to do you want to hey. guess what hey. what year Fukushima hey. was? Hey, hey. Guess what year hey. Fukushima happened? Uh, I don't know, man. I I couldn't even begin to tell you. It sort of feels like five or six years ago. That's why I wouldn't say six, eight, ten, ten if I'm yeah, all right. if I'm wrong. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, twenty eleven. So nine, basically. Ah, but it sort of feels like it was sort of yesterday, but not really. Uh, you know. Well, that I think that happens a lot uh, with things when you hear something is the first year anniversary, and your first reaction is. Well, that seems like months ago. Yeah. I mean, unequivocally, that's the first thing I, I think when I hear that we're at a one-year anniversary. I seldom ever, if ever, think, yeah, that makes sense. Not a year ago. Uh-uh. No way. Hey, Jose. I mean. Hey, that would not be a good slogan for hey. for, for, hey. for, for Biden's hey. Latino hey. vote. No way, Jose. What? <laughs> right. Particularly if he doesn't put a Latina on the ticket with him. So what are your odds? I say I say he's going through an awful lot of work. To, I, you know who he might put in there? Someone who isn't on any of these lists because she is a corporate, quasi-legal exemplar leader. Yeah, who's that Someone presidential who candidate that was like the CEO of, of Hewlett-Packard or something that was running a couple years ago? Oh, she was off. She uh, was off. Somebody, yeah. somebody like that. Some female well, CEO except well well but maybe that's not so much a company gross. but maybe a physicist or a, a, a woman a, a black woman or a Latina woman of enormous stature in a different in a different circumstance other than politics who is so remarkable in her intelligence and in her history that there's no doubt that she's one of the most capable people in the world okay I know who you're talking about who Biden Winfrey Oprah Joe and O. Joe and O had dropped the mic. She's she is she is one of the most socially powerful women in the world. One of socially most socially powerful people in the world. But uh, second only to and, Michelle Obama. Right, and, and, and black and, and black women. I think Oprah commands even more control than, than Michelle O. I read into that quite a bit back in the day when she was being discussed as a potential presidential. Yeah. Hopeful. And the interviews that she had were quite clear to me as what you communicated earlier in the podcast about Michelle Obama's position. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what she wanted to do and what she didn't want to do and how she felt about it, et cetera. It was pretty clear that her heart couldn't be in it long enough to sustain a run, let alone, you know, four years and then presumably eight years. I also don't think that she's necessarily, I, I, well, I guess I got to put it this way. I am so stunned by Michelle Obama that when I think of another black woman, I just don't think about it much. Mm -hmm. But when I do think about who's more likely, and I think about Kamala Harris or this unknown businesswoman, biochemist, what about a health doctor? What about an African-American or a Latina or any ethnic uh, woman who was accomplished in the world of medicine Mm -hmm. and was her specialty is in, in, in contagion and he would immediately make her in charge of the COVID nineteen response, these are these are some very the, the it's got to get we got to get off the table. It isn't going to be fucking Amy Klobuchar who looks uncomfortable half the time, 
It isn't going to be Stacey Abrams, who apparently is running. I know I suggested back in episode God knows what that she would make a good candidate because of her, her speech making. But she's just, it's not going to work. I saw an interview from her. She doesn't transcend. This is what the Biden team is struggling with in their in their basement is who the fuck can we get? And just, I'm sure they've asked some black women biochemists out there. And like in, in much the same way that I want a leader that can be humble and admit when they're wrong or they don't know something. The, the thing that most makes me want someone to be the leader is the fact that they don't want the job. Like, if you want to be president or you want to be vice president, already, I there's something wrong with like you're not a, there's something wrong with you. It, like, I don't. If you want that much power, then I don't want to give it to you. But like that's the conundrum that we have. Like you have to do it somehow. But well, I'll I tell know. you somebody who when I look at Susan Rice and I look at the 10 or 12 or 15 even that are on the potential list and I keep stopping at her because her foreign uh, uh, policy chops are so enormous in a post-COVID environment and coupled with our standing in the world, she's powerful. Plus, she is such a fucking Democrat. I mean, she is a fire and brimstone, go after him. I see some interviews of her where she's cursing and I just fucking love it. I just, she's tough as nails. Nice. And she's got an effect about her, a cockiness that I really like. Although I'm afraid that she wouldn't meet the test of not being able to overshadow Joe Biden. You know, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that is going to be easy for very capable women because Joe is looking to me more and more like a slow Joe and just not. I don't understand how Stephen Colbert can, can video from his home and make it look really good and the vice president of the United States with this godzillion dollars of new money that he's gotten can't make it look good. You know what it's about? It's about judgment and getting people around him. The stuff that I have said he's good at, delegation, not so much here. Are you fucking kidding me? Three months of bad video? Fucking moron. I haven't this seen this video, but like... Oh, well, it's I'm, not just this one. It's all of them in his face. No, I haven't, I haven't seen any of them. It. It's, oh, well, because I'm just so bored by him. Why would I spend my life <laughs> watching? Because it's just, well, instead of being bored, you could be like me and be just fucking pissed off about it. Oh, I've got, huh? I've got other me- oh, media yeah, for that. Right. That's motivating. Hey, bro. This is it. Gotta hey, go. Hey, bro. Gotta piss again. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. 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 Well, stay safe, and we will see you next time on The Happy Hour. Got it. That's it for episode number 59. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 059. We would be very, very grateful if you could support us a little bit at patreon.com slash happy hour. And by all means, just be safe out there. Wear your mask. Don't cough on people. Don't be around too many people. Listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next week.